I know you like me. I know it. For the last year or two, you've been pretending like you hate me. I love you very much. I love you as much as I love anybody, as much as I love myself. And in a few years, when I haven't been around to be on your tail about something or irritating you, you could remember. Remember that time I bought you the baseball glove when you thought we were too broke? You know? Or when I read you those stories? Or when I, I let you goof off instead of mowing the lawn? Lots of things like that. And you're going to realize that you love me. And maybe you're going to feel badly because you never told me, but don't. I know that you love me. So don't ever do that to yourself, alright? Emma Horton, from Terms of Endearment. everybody welcome back to another episode of extraordinary um if you hear that background noise it's the ac in my car it is currently 96 degrees in texas and i think the real feel is 101 so yeah it's really hot outside it's about 6 30 so the sun hasn't gone down completely i mean even if it does like it's not going to help much because it is so hot. It is so hot outside. My contacts are drying out inside my eyeballs. You walk outside and you start sweating. That's how hot it is. But I I don't record anywhere other than my car. I've thought about it. I thought, well, if I just, you know, if I record in my bathroom or something, like, nobody's gonna know, right? Like, I have so much integrity about this. I record in my car that's where I do it, nowhere else. So I'm just going to go through the struggle of recording in the heat. So today's episode is all about my mom, my the love of my life, the my superhero, my mom. <laughs> I don't know about any of you, but I will spend the rest of my life making up for the shithead I was to my mom as a teenager. I mean, absolute shithead that I was to my mom fuck, dude. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how horrible I was. Horrible. And yeah, like, most teenagers are shitheads at one point or another. It's it's how teenagers are. But I was just... I was the worst. It's a miracle that my mom still loves me after everything I put her through. Honestly. <laughs> I just got distracted. Sorry. So... I'm all over the place today. Sorry. Okay, so I got this bumper sticker off of Amazon that says, I hope something good happens to you today. And I'm obsessed with looking at it in my rearview mirror. I think it fits me to a T. And it's on my car, Ellie, who I got from Ellen. And I'm sure Ellen would be proud of me for putting it on here. You know, it all it all goes together. 
the only con to having that sticker is, okay, so like, I'm a really good driver. At least I think, I, I know everyone is always like, I'm such a good driver. I don't do anything bad, but really I am. Okay. <laughs> I go the speed limit. 95% of the time, I don't text and drive. I don't drink and drive because I'm sober. I truly and honestly try not to cut people up, but I'm not perfect, okay? I said I was a good driver, not a perfect driver. So the other day, I was driving on this busy road that we have in town, and somebody was coming out of the Wendy's parking lot, and they literally cut in front of me in like they cut in front of me within like two seconds of like reaction time for me so of course I slammed on my brakes and I blared down on my horn on at them and swerved out of the way and got next to them and then they flipped me off for honking at them and I was like bro you cut me off. And then I could only imagine like that guy was like, oh yeah, you hope I have a great day. Well, fuck you. (laughs) I feel like that's what people look at me whenever I make a mistake on the road. Even though it wasn't my fault, he cut me off. And then I was like trying to get around him and he flipped me off him and his big yee truck. And then the other day I was trying to merge into traffic and there was like a gap in between these two cars and I had been sitting there forever. So I just like put Miss Ellie into sport mode and slammed on the gas. And then I cut them off, obviously, and they honked at me. And I could only imagine they were saying the same thing. Like, oh yeah, you hope I have a good day. Well, fuck you, dude. Like, does that make me a bit of a hypocrite if I do something bad on the road and still wish that, I mean... I still hope something good happens to them, even if they're mad at me. I don't know, man. Texans have a lot of road rage, especially the closer you get into Dallas. But anywho, love that sticker. It was only $3 on Amazon, so you should go buy it. Actually, don't because I'm territorial and I don't want anyone else to have my bumper sticker. Just kidding. You can buy it. I don't care. Kind of. Not really. Don't buy it. You know what? Do whatever you want. Anyway, back to my, back to my mom. God. But really, my mom is the best. She's, I, in my more recent years, she's honestly become like my best friend. And she sacrificed everything for me and my sister. Give me two seconds. Uh, see, this is what I have to do. (laughs) I get so hot in here and then I have to like blast up my AC for two seconds and then put it off and then keep recording. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Before we were even thought of, actually, doctors had told my mom that she would never have children. Ever. She had, she had a, like, a lot of health problems growing up. They thought she had leukemia So she was in and out of the doctors. She had her spleen removed. She's diabetic. They pretty much told her it was impossible, that it would never happen. It wasn't in the cards for her. Then she had a psychic tell her the opposite, that she would give birth to two children. And then years later, she had me and my younger sister, Amber. (laughs) Moms are so fucking badass, honestly. 
I love my mom so much. And I've never been a, like, a mommy's girl. That was all Amber. I was all about my dad. For I'd say, like, the first part of my childhood, I was in love with my dad the way that they show girls to be in movies. I'd go to the racetrack with him on the weekends and listen to his music. In my eyes, the best thing I could be in this world was exactly like him. I always felt kind of annoyed by my mom in some capacity. Like, even when I was younger, we had been in each other's throats. And my mom tried so hard for everything, but she tried really hard to get us to be close. She made these mommy and Taylor days when we would go out and get our nails done and or like have lunch and I'd get to miss school for the day, which of course I was all about. We had this interactive book we filled out together as like a bonding exercise. So it would have these activities for us to do or suggestions for a mom-daughter bonding type thing. I'm not really sure I'm explaining it correctly, but uh, actually the same people who made that caring, keeping of you book that she gave me when I started my period also made this activity book. <laughs> you can tell that my mom's a big fan of books, obviously. She always tried really hard. And that's not to say that I didn't appreciate her efforts. I love my mom. I always have, and I always will, but her love and attention always came for free. My dad, on the other hand, wasn't the same way, so I was chasing his love because I couldn't get it as easily as I could my mom. This shouldn't come as a surprise. I think we've all recognized by now that I chase things and people that don't reciprocate. My dad was angry and scary and always full of rage. You never knew what mood you were getting from day to day. Minute to minute, really, like second to second. My mom was the opposite. She was soft and quiet. She always cared and still does care about the little things. When my dad would go out of town, my mom would plop Amber and me in their giant bed. She would turn on the TV, and we wouldn't move that entire weekend of him being gone. She'd get up to make us food or to slide in another DVD, but other than that, we all just got to snuggle with each other. I went through one of my weird right there in the obsession phases that we've talked about <laughs> with the movie Big Daddy. So Adam Sandler was like a huge name in my house. My dad loved his movies. I loved his movies. I've seen all of them pretty much. Fifty First Dates, Click, those were staples in my childhood. But this movie in particular, I was obsessed with. I would watch it all the time, and I cried every single time at the exact same part. No matter what, I would always cry. The part, spoiler alert, even though it's been like, like how many years since the movie's come out? The part where baby Cole or Dylan Sprouse gets ripped away from Adam Sandler and he's saying like, but I don't want to go. I won't play the kangaroo song anymore. Oh, it's so sad. You know what? Actually, hold on. I can just play it for you. Oh, Jesus Christ. I just got to you approve of President Trump ad on this video. I hate this. Okay. I don't want to go. I know you don't. Mm. I know, but you have to. And you're going to be okay, all right? Please don't make me go. I'm sorry, but I don't know what else. 
else to do. I won't play the kangaroo song anymore. Just go. You gotta go. You gotta go. Come on. I don't wanna go. I promise I'm sorry. I don't even like that song anymore. I know, pal. That's not it. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> even now, I'm just like torn apart by it. It's so sad. <laughs> Dude, I was in hysterics as a kid watching that scene over and over and over again. That scene. And okay, for some reason, my mother thought it would be okay to let me watch Steel Magnolias in the fourth grade by myself. She bought the DVD for me and let me sit in our playroom and watch it alone. No one was allowed to go in there. I was watching Steel Magnolias for the first time. I was wrecked when I watched it. Wrecked. All that to say, my mom let me cry in any scene of any movie. If I needed to cry, she would just rub my back while I did. Every time. It didn't matter how many times I had seen the movie. It didn't matter that I knew it was coming. If I cried, I was allowed to. If I felt sad, I was allowed to. My dad would get mad with any kind of emotion. Why are you bouncing off the walls right now? Why are you moping around like you just lost your best friend? You couldn't be too happy or too sad or too anything around him. But with my mom, you always could. Yet I thought I needed to be just like him. I'd hear him screaming at my mom from the other room. And then the next day, I'd scream at her for not making my lunch exactly how I wanted it. Monkey see, monkey do. I thought, if my dad, the person I loved and cherished and wanted to be just like, if he showed hate to my mom, it would only be right that I follow in suit. He threw a dish at her the night before. I threw a doll at her the next day. He'd leave his underwear in the bathroom floor instead of the laundry hamper, and I'd do the same with mine. And maybe she even knew I was doing that so she didn't take much offense to it, or maybe she had put up with so much torture, it wouldn't matter that her own daughter was doing it too. I was failing, though, because no matter how much I tried to prove to the world that I was just like him, he didn't give me the attention I was craving. He didn't love me like I wished he would. He spun me out of chairs and threw me on the floor, or he yelled at me right in my face. The worse he got, the worse I got. I thought for sure one day he'd notice. He'd notice and then he'd finally love me because I was just like him. My mom was such an angel. She put up with all of that out of nothing, nothing but pure love. And like I said, she tried so hard with everything. She cooked these intricate dinners that she would find in cookbooks. She took weeks to paint every wall in the house and put together a color scheme for every single room. My mom would deep clean the house while blasting her Goo Goo Dolls album as loud as it could go. She planted flowers in the flower bed for curbside appeal. She always made sure Amber and I had nice clothes and nice hairstyles. 
She and my dad laughed with each other and kissed each other. Everything seemed to be right in the world. Until it wasn't. The turning point of this perspective of my dad changed this one night. It was the first night I remember him hitting my mom. At least to my vantage point, it was the first. And it's such a strong and vivid memory to this day because of how much things changed afterwards. It was like everything in my brain kicked into high gear so that I would remember every single detail. I sat in the doorframe of my bedroom with Amber, watching shit start to just hit the fan. My dad screaming at my mom, screaming like I'd never heard before. And my dad had always been a very angry and physical person, but not to the point that I had ever seen him be physical with my mom. He threw dishes at you in a ugly, cold shoulder way. He'd berate you in the middle of the grocery store. But I had never seen him get physical before. He looked so dangerous. I felt like I looked like Boo from Monsters, Inc. when Sully, like, roars and scares her. I would think that's a pretty accurate description for it. My dad grabbed her, dragging her around and throwing her on the floor. Her wrist was broken. I remember hearing her scream and cry for him to stop. Not even for her sake, but for ours. She didn't want us to hear or see any of it. And that's how she's always been. She's always been our protector. I just never knew it. Like on days when my dad was in a bad mood, she'd she'd come into our playroom and say, your dad's on the way home and he had a bad day again. Let's, uh, let's clean up these Barbies so he won't yell when he gets here. Little things like that. She'd pick me up off the floor after he spun me out of our bar stools. She would go into Amber's room and comfort her as she cried from a spanking that went too hard. And as a teenager, I'd scream at her, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you get us out of there? Why didn't you protect us? I blamed her for how bad the abuse had gotten because she didn't pack our shit and get us away. I look back and I see it. She was always protecting us, feeding us, bandaging us, hugging us, taking the blow so that we wouldn't. She had been protecting us that whole time. She would sacrifice everything for us. I just, I, I didn't see it. That night that he broke her wrist, my dad threw all of her stuff out on the lawn and then locked her out of the house. She had to sleep in the back of her Chevy HHR. HHR. It's a Chevy, right? Yes, I think. A Chevy HHR. I need a fact check. Monica Padman, I'd be happy to hire you. As a matter of fact, you would probably need to hire me because I ain't got no money. <laughs> Anyways, a little shout out to Monica Padman. Everybody's, their love of, everybody's love of their life is what I meant to say. I remember looking across at Amber, who was so teeny tiny. She didn't understand all that was happening or why it was happening. She was crying so hard. It was, it's, it's a face I will never get out of my head. Her just sitting there crying. So, filling in the shoes, 
of my unconditionally protective mother. I comforted Amber by taking her hands and covering them over her ears. Then I did the same to myself with my hands over my ears. And then I smiled at her. And she seemed so much calmer because I did that. I liked the feeling of being my sister's keeper a lot more than being my dad's carbon copy. Amber and I both fell asleep crying in my bedroom that night. We woke up the next morning, tiptoeing into the kitchen, pretty much terrified of what we were going to find. We didn't know what was damaged, but when we went out there, everything was fine. There wasn't anything broken on the floor. It looked like the house had been deep cleaned. And then that exact moment that we were standing there, really confused, I'm sure we were both like, did, did we make that up? Like, did this actually happen? At that exact moment, our parents walked through the front door, holding each other's hands. They were smiling, laughing, and then they kissed each other. But my mom's wrist was in a brace, so I knew that we didn't make it up, because I knew that her wrist had been broken. Her clothes were still thrown across the front yard. I asked what happened to her wrist. And almost on cue, my mom answered, I fell last night. And even back then, I instantly knew that she was lying. After they told us they would be separating from each other, which, fun fact, was actually on my birthday... Not the greatest way for parents to break it to their kids on their birthday. It was actually my birthday slash Thanksgiving because every seven years my birthday falls on Thanksgiving. So I don't have the best memories associated with my birthday or with Thanksgiving since then. But after they told us, after they announced it, my mom started to come home every day with things. She bought a few things here and picked up a few things there. Gadgets for my dad, a table for the hallway, clothes for me, toys for Amber. Everyone was always so happy and content with something new. I mean, our lives were so chaotic. So to see everyone happy like that filled her up. Like I said, she tried so hard. But we started running out of money for that stuff. And my mom wasn't about to go home to sad faces. So she started shoplifting to be able to bring us something every day. We were being spoiled, absolutely spoiled. Our Barbie collection tripled. My dad played Call of Duty every night. There was never any fighting. It was like we had gone back to before the separation until she got caught. I remember being woken up in the middle of the night by my dad. It was the night before my big stated assessment at school. So it used to be called the tax test. It stood for like Texas assessment of knowledge and skills. It's so weird how that is ingrained in my brain. I don't know what it's called now. It went from tax to star and I think it's something else now. But it's a huge test. You take like all day to do it. You get 30 minutes in between chapters, I think, to, like, eat a snack or something. It's insane. But that's just how it was, or is, I guess. He woke me up middle of the night, like 12 o'clock, 
He led me to the garage. His car was already running. Amber was asleep in the back seat. I sat down. I buckled my seatbelt. And then I kind of woke up a little bit and was like, wait, where, where are we going? And he said, your mom got arrested. We have to go bail her out of jail. And I remember the drive out to this bail bonds place being really far, but maybe now if I were to go there, it would take like 30 minutes. Amber and I sat inside there for hours on their really uncomfortable plastic folding chairs. Then we'd get back in the car, drive somewhere else, just to go back, and then back out again. And then we eventually went and sat in the parking lot of the jail, waiting for my mom, I guess. The thing is, I never had to ask why she got arrested. I pretty much knew. She'd take us to the grocery store and forget a few things in the cart. She apologized profusely and promised it would never happen again. She had learned her lesson. She would never do it again. It would never happen. But it did. And then it did again. And again. And again. I got to the point that I was scared for my mom to go out without me. I was afraid she would get arrested again. I was scared she would leave me. That was my biggest fear right there. That she would do something to be taken away from me and leave me with my dad. And like I said, she was my protector. I thought if she ever left me to fend for myself, it would be the one thing I would never forgive her for. She hadn't been arrested in a while, but she was on bad terms with a lot of companies like Rent-A-Center. She lost her apartment. She was on probation. My dad moved into the house next door to where we grew up. And while he was selling our old house, my mom stayed there. So I had my parents living right next door to each other. It was kind of weird, but also pretty convenient. So on the days we would go to my mom's, we'd just have to pack a bag and go right next door. And this was like in the middle of suburbia. So all of the houses are maybe less than two feet away from each other. I'm That's probably an exaggeration, but they were really close. You can see into somebody else's window by being inside your house. It was really strange. But I was happy to have my mom around and not in trouble because things could only get bad with my dad if she wasn't there. It was August. School had just started and I was in the fifth grade. My favorite human being in the entire universe back then was Demi Lovato. You ask anyone who knows me and who knew me back then, they'll tell you she was my everything. She got me through anything. I dyed my hair to look just like her. I knew all of her songs. I I can't even begin to tell you. I'm gonna have somebody on here and have them tell you how obsessed I was with her. It was insane. I was like a K-pop stan, but with Demi Lovato. Well, Camp Rock 2 was coming out on Disney Channel in only a few weeks. My mom agreed to let me have a watch party for it, and I was so excited. I invited everyone I knew. I 
wanted to plan what food we were going to eat and at what time we were going to do this. Party planning is one of my favorite things to do still. You have so much control over it, even though it never goes to plan. But So not only was the movie coming out, they were also going on tour, Demi and the Jonas Brothers and the entire crew, and my mom had promised me a ticket. I woke up one day on a morning that we were supposed to go to our mom's, so we were getting ready to go next door. My dad was out on the front sidewalk and had just slammed his phone down. I said, where's mommy? Her car isn't here. And he looked at me with a face that just said everything. She got arrested again. He told me, I don't have the money to bail her out this time. She's going to have to figure it out herself. So she just had to sit in there. Something that made it even worse was that (laughs) no one showed up to my Camp Rock 2 watch party because I had to change it to my dad's. And all of the kids in the neighborhood knew how mad and angry my dad was. And then a few weeks later, Demi Lovato went to rehab for the first time. I felt as if I had lost the two best people in my life within a month's time. I became so much more angrier with my mom. The first time, a mistake, sure. This time, I felt as if she did it on purpose. She chose to leave me. And she left me with the worst person to have to be left with. My dad. Amber and I were so lost without our mom around. My dad was angry all of the time and would take it out on us. He he had no idea what to do. He was never the caretaker. He fed us Whataburger every single night for dinner. Those memories are so distinct and it's hard to believe they're mine. Does that make sense? Like, I think back and I'm like, that is somebody else's life. That's a movie that I watched. It didn't happen to me. But it did happen to me. That was my life. That was my movie. I was so heartbroken by my mom, but I became more worried about my sister. I chose to step into Amber's mother position for the time being. I picked out her clothes every day. I brushed her hair. I made sure she brushed her teeth at night and showered. I made her lunch because we were home alone 99% of the time. I did her homework with her. I felt like if I embodied my own mother, it would feel like she had never left. It still felt like she had left. It fed into my fantasy of playing house. I was the mom now. I got to take care of someone, even if no one took care of me. There was no one around to do it. Sometimes, Amber would make me little notes saying that she loved me, and I would just cry at them. Whether she knew it or not, she took care of me too. We took care of each other and loved each other because we didn't have anybody else. I resented my mom. All of the kids around me were starting to wear makeup and wear expensive clothes. I needed her around to show me how to do all of this, and she wasn't around. And it's not like I could write her a letter and ask her, how do I wear mascara? Where do I buy buy mascara? 
It wasn't the same. I wanted her to show me. I wanted her to be the one to do it for me. Our dad would take us up to the prison every Tuesday so that we could talk to my mom, you know, through the, like, the glass in between us, and she would be on one side and pick up the phone, and then we'd be on the other and pick up the phone. She would also call the house phone. Yes, the house phone. Every night to talk to us. She'd write us letters. But I didn't want to hear from her. So I stopped responding. It's probably one of the things that makes me feel the worst in this world is thinking about how I just didn't respond. Those years without her were really hard. And my dad seemed to only get worse. When she got out, I was resistant to talking to her again. Like, what, are you just going to leave me again? Get arrested? She was always apologizing, and as much as I tried to shut her out, it felt so good to be with her again. Everything was different about being with my mom. Everything. It was a completely different atmosphere. We had nothing. (laughs) And when I say nothing, I mean, like bottom of the barrel, absolutely scraping by. Nothing. Barely any money. She didn't have a car for us to go anywhere within, like, walking distance. We walked a lot, or we took the bus. And we weren't in the safest places either, so taking the bus was not the best thing for us to do. We had times that we shared one air mattress, or we would make a pallet on the floor with blankets to sleep on. You would think this would be awful, but what we did have was love. It was the best time ever. There was this one place that we lived a few years later. It was a one-bedroom, teeny, tiny apartment. I mean, so tiny. A bathroom, barely big enough to walk in, and we lived there part-time with my mom, my aunt, my older cousin, Amber, me, and two dogs. Two Well, one of them was really big and one of them was a Yorkie. But still, so much space taken up. We would sleep on the couch or on the floor or however we could find comfort. We didn't have anything except movies. No money for barely even food. But as a special present one day, because my mom still tried hard for us, my mom bought us the DVD for Pitch Perfect as soon as it came out. And with our strap for cash money, we bought a party pack of tacos from Taco Bell to feed everyone, and we ate tacos, and we watched Pitch Perfect. We did this almost every weekend. We watched the hell out of that movie, sometimes even more than once in a single sitting. I can quote that movie from start to finish, backwards and forwards. I know the dance routines by now, and every note to every song, every high note, every low note, every little, like, acapella-y type thing going on in the background. This is where I fell in love with that dorky kid. What's his name again? Um, Ben Platt? I don't know. You may have heard of him. I'm not sure. That's... I don't know if he's really known by now. (laughs) That's where I fell in love with him. He came on screen as Benji with his little, um, his, like, 
mouse and his Star Wars dorm. And I said, him, that's the one. That's the kid I'm going to marry one day. And I really had convinced myself of this. We were close enough in age. I mean, it wasn't weird. I think he he's born in like 93. I was born in 98. So it's like not that bad, right? He was a theater kid. And as we know, I love the theater boys. They are the best. He went on to be Evan Hansen on Broadway. Like, I was in love with him before he was Evan Hansen. Just putting that out there, but whatever. I called our love from the get-go. And then, one day, I said I wasn't going to talk about this heartbreak, but I guess we got to go through it. (sighs) One day, probably about a year ago, when his Sing to Me Instead album came out, I told my friends my plan to marry Ben. Like, I had it all planned out. I was going to go and get famous one day and put him in my movies because I was already working on my screenplay back then. I was going to put him in my movies and we were going to fall in love and he would be the father of my children and, like, we'd go on dates together and be a cute celebrity couple. And one of my friends said, that's really sweet. I love Ben Platt, but, you know... you know, he's, and I was like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? Then she said, well, like, you know, he's, he's gay, right? I said, I said, what? No, Ben Platt is not gay. Like, come on, just because he loves theater and singing doesn't make him gay. Are you, are you outside of your mind? We're getting married one day, so he can be gay. Come on. Yeah. Needless to say, I was, and still am, absolutely heartbroken. It's one of those things that you're just like, I love you and I accept you for who you are, but I just want you to love me like I love you. Oh, God. It's so embarrassing. And why did I think, why did I think that I would even stand a chance with Ben Platt? But whatever. But yeah. Anyways, the TV we had didn't come with any channels, but like two. One of them being the channel to watch Ellen DeGeneres. How weird is that, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Ellen's been there for me since day one. Full circle. It's those small little memories that become huge to you when you're older that matter so much. I love that we were dirt broke and poor and had nothing but love. We had party packs of tacos, Ellen, and we had pitch perfect. And for us, that was enough. Last week, we talked about this person who changed a lot about me as a human being. Like I said, I cut off everyone to be with them and to make them love me. It absolutely destroyed my relationship with my mom. When I left my dad's house, my mom stood by me and supported me a million percent. She wanted to be there for me, but I wouldn't allow her to. It was this horrible thing called my extreme abandonment issues that forced me to push her away. I didn't want this person to leave my life, 
so I chased after them. My mom showed me nothing but love, but in my eyes, because she had left me before, I didn't want to trust her again. I had been chasing other people and putting my mom aside since I was a kid. I think that the absolute worst thing I ever did to my mom was when I ran away during my junior year of high school. I had just dropped out. My friend, this person, had moved states. I got on a plane to go visit them and then told my mom I wasn't coming back. It was the worst. I wasn't there to witness the heartbreak that it caused my mom or my sister, but I know that it did. I left them after all of those years of being afraid to lose people. I was the one who left them. How backwards is that? But when I had that falling out with said friend, that's when I started to repair my relationship with my mom. Finally. It's about time, right? We used to get into these screaming matches. My brother called it, <laughs> my brother called it World War III. He'd text me and be like, so how was World War III last night with your mom? <laughs> it was so toxic and unhealthy for both of us. Just constant yelling, slamming doors, driving off in the middle of a disagreement, which neither of us liked to begin with because of how my dad treated us. It's taken a lot of hard work to get where we are today. I place a lot of credit for that on Armchair Expert because it helped us learn to communicate through disagreements in the right way. Like using, I feel this when you did this and it triggered this fear inside of me, etc. For a long time, like I said, I blamed my mom for not protecting me. I blamed her lack of protection for the way I turned out. A druggie, a shoplifter, someone who never knew how to handle big emotions. I blamed her for everything. It wasn't until I really started to understand her. Until I looked at her one day and realized, she's a victim too. Our dad abused her too, probably before it was me. It was her. She survived too. And that's when I realized she had always been my superhero. She's probably my best friend. We do so much together. We go window shopping or we watch movies. We like to eat ice cream cones at 10.30 at night together. Sometimes we do have some disagreements because, duh, but we've come so far. I've always had love for my mom, even when I didn't see it. After I came back from Ellen... We actually got evicted from our house and were homeless for a few weeks. That was really hard, but I always knew that no matter what, there was love. When we didn't have any money, any place to live, no food to eat, dirt broke, sometimes jobless, we always had love. And that's just a lesson you can't learn from a self-help book. As much as my mom loves books, it was a lesson we couldn't learn from them. My mom hasn't had it easy in life. And I've made it a goal to make sure I can take care of her one day. Buy her a house, make sure that she can do what she wants to do, whether it be finally, finally 
taking that beach vacation she's always wanted and needed, or just being able to breathe under a roof that she doesn't have to worry about. I don't want my mom to have to worry anymore. Gosh, sorry. <laughs> I was, I was get like a little emotional talking about that. She just, she deserves the whole world and more. I'd sell my left kidney on the black market for her to be at ease in life. Last June, we lost my grandmother, my mom's mom. My mom didn't have any money or a means to get to Virginia to be with her because we were getting evicted from a different house. We we have had a few, in case you were wondering, the word evicted is like PTSD for us. But not being able to go and be with her mom, that hurt my mom a lot for many different reasons, as it should, of course. Her mom has always been her best friend. When my mom was sick as a kid, her mom stayed by her side through every single second so that she never had to feel an ounce of fear. My grandma would take months out of her life to go and stay with her dying relatives. My mom saved up every penny and just went. It didn't matter whether or not she was going to be able to pay rent that month or not, or if she was going to make it through an 18-hour drive without running out of gas. She didn't care. She was going. She went because her mom was dying and she needed to be with her. We all understood. If we had to risk being evicted and living on the streets so that she could go and see our nanny, then that's what needed to happen. This would be the first time they had been able to see each other in over 10 years. 10 years. Just imagine that for a second. 10 years without seeing your mom. Because the last 10 years for my mom have been pure hell, it seems. Going to jail. Having to start all over again. Not having money for food. And especially not having money for a plane ticket. She didn't have a car. How was she supposed to get there? I mean, they talked on the phone every single day. But it isn't the same as getting to be with your mom. When she was dying, my mom drove her Kia Sorento over 18 hours to Virginia, and she sat with my grandma, holding her hand and being there for her even when she wasn't lucid. Damn, dude, I don't even, I don't even want to start thinking about my mom dying. I, I'm going to have to go first or something because this is too hard to even think about right now. I don't. I don't do death very well. I've addressed it. I've tried to talk about it with a therapist, but I just don't want to talk about it. I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to think about it. So, okay. Yeah. We're not going to go there right now. When it came time for my mom to go back to Texas, my grandmother took her hand and said to her, stay. She begged my mom to stay with her. But my mom... My mom had late bills and a pending eviction and a job that wouldn't just hold a spot for her. My mom couldn't stay. When my mom told me that story a few weeks ago, 
She just cried to me and said how she kept thinking about that one moment when she begged her to stay, how much she wished she would have stayed there with her. She regrets leaving. She regrets not being there at her side when she died a few months later. And all I could think of is if that were ever me, and my mom asked me to stay, I will make sure that I'm there. And I'll stay as long as she wants me to. I'll, st I'll stay until the very end to protect her like she protected me my entire life. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. <coughs> oh. Ooh. I hope to be half the woman that my mom is someday. I gotta stop crying. <laughs> oh, God. My mom has never given up, no matter how many times life has knocked her down. And her, let me tell you, life has knocked her down a few too many times. But she always gets back up again. And I promise that I will make her proud one day. I'm going to build this life for myself, for her, my sister, my brother, my aunt, everybody. I'm going to take care of everyone I love. I mean, <laughs> I gotta make sure that all of this, all of the trauma, all of the lows, all of the struggles, I gotta make sure it was worth something, right? And I'm gonna get this last quote wrong because I couldn't find the exact wording of it, so... Dax, if you're listening, please hit me up and let me know what I did wrong. Every part of me that is good comes from my mother, Dax Shepard.